Well, the songs this morning were just a, a great uh, segue into my message talking about how we cannot live the Christian life apart from the power of God. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to uh, invite you to turn there uh, to John chapter 14. <clears throat> I begin with uh, my message with a <clears throat> kind of a bold statement, I guess. <clears throat> that is that uh, the true life of a genuine Christian is miraculous. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but how do you define a miracle? A miracle, as I'm thinking of it, is something that happens for which there is no possible ex explanation apart from God. So can you live the genuine Christian life apart from the power of God? <clears throat> Jesus tells us in John 15, uh, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? It, Jesus said about himself <clears throat> in John 5, verse 30, by myself, I can do nothing. Which means that you and I as believers, followers of Jesus, we do not and we cannot live a genuine Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit living within us. I don't believe God necessarily expects us to live a sensational or a spectacular life with signs and wonders and all of that, but just a genuine living everyday uh, faith which produces uh, the life of God within us, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Lord and his word that produces uh, the life of God. So that, that should mean for us as believers that we daily live in a heavenly presence through the power of the Spirit. And that's really my sermon this morning is living in a heavenly presence. So think about that as we talk about the Holy Spirit today. I'd like to read now uh, John 14, verses 15 through 27. Jesus talking to his disciples here. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you, you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you 
of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. So the background here is that Jesus is about to leave and go back to uh, his father's house. And this news was devastating to the disciples, but Jesus said to his disciples, uh, don't be alarmed because another counselor is coming. The Greek word for counselor, or your Bible may have comforter, is parakletos. Parakletos is one who comes alongside, one who uh, protects and one who counsels. It is, uh, Parakletos is an intercessor, one who uh, consoles us, who, who gives us uh, courage. You and I all need, uh, we all need that. We need brothers and sisters uh, who will come alongside us, um, especially in just, you know, just to walk with us through difficult times. And you, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that, where somebody comes alongside you and maybe just puts an arm around your your shoulder, and, and that, that is tremendously encouraging at certain times, and especially when we are hurting and uh, our grieving is great, it's, it's good to have a brother and sister do that. But that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The, the Holy Spirit comes to us, walks alongside of us, puts his arm around us in a sense. And why does he do that? Why does the Holy Spirit do that? And I believe the primary reason is to make the presence of Christ real in our life. I'd like to give uh, three points this morning. Uh, number one is that the Holy Spirit indwells believers. Verse 16 here in our text reads, Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. I believe Jesus is saying here that I am your counselor now while I'm here on this earth, but when I leave, another counselor or comforter will take my place. And this comforter, this counselor, will be with you along forever, forever. This counselor he refers to here is also the spirit of truth. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 13 uh, says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the heart of obedience, if we have a heart of obedience, we welcome the spirit of truth into our lives. And the, the spirit of truth helps you and I to discern between truth and deception. And I think that's, that's just a tremendous gift, is it not? To be able to discern between truth and deception. And we especially need that, I think, in the times in which we're living. But it's, it's a tremendous gift for those who hunger uh, after the love of God and, and hunger for truth. The Spirit of God breaks through the, the clouds of uh, deception and all the voices that are out there and reveals truth to us. That truth is, is found primarily in, in uh, the Word of God. That's where we go for truth, and the Spirit guides us to understand and to apply that truth to our lives. The truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit is a faithful guide to bring us to the truth. 
The latter part of verse 17 uh, here in our text reads, Jesus saying, you know him, that's the spirit, you know him, for he lives with you, that's present tense, he lives with you, and he will be in you. So if you think about it, uh, the disciples at this point are technically uh, Old Testament believers. The spirit had not yet come as it did on the day of Pentecost then. The Holy Spirit was with them, but not yet residing in them. So Jesus is saying in verse 20 then, On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So what day is he talking about there? (laughs) On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I believe it's the day he's talking about the day of Pentecost. And I'm going to ask you, uh, well, you know what happened on the day of Pentecost, of course, where the the believers were in the uh, upper room and they were waiting for the Spirit to come. And and then suddenly they heard the sound of a a mighty wind and tongues of fire came in and hovered over them. And then uh, they went out and spoke the word of God with boldness and many people got saved. So uh, you know about the day of Pentecost. But when is your Pentecost? When is our Pentecost as believers? Have you had your Pentecost? I believe that our personal Pentecost happens the moment that we trust Christ as our Savior and Lord. The Spirit comes into our lives when we trust Christ. We can't really trust Christ apart from the the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit continues to reside in us as uh, moment by moment we put our trust in him. So the Spirit, I believe, is already within us as believers, uh, followers of Jesus. And when the Spirit comes into our lives, we will know, like Jesus said here in verse 20, we will know this, that Jesus is in the Father, and we as believers are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. Isn't that great? I just, I really, do we get that? You know, do we grasp that tremendous truth this Uh, interplay between these personalities and it is the very life of Christ that is manifested in every believer by the means of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Christ is within us and we are in him and Jesus is in God and just think about that that link. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 you're all familiar with this verse. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? So this unique link of persons transforms us by the power of his life that is living within us. And that's why I say that we can't live this life apart from the power of God. And it's never intended that we would do that. Jesus wants to be real in your life, in my life. Especially, I think, as we're going through the whatever it is that's happening around us. At any given time, Jesus wants to be real as we walk through that. And our lives ought to, in a sense, reflect that, reflect a heavenly presence. How we live and how we die will, should be uh, and is radically different from the rest of the world. It was said about, uh, about my dad when he passed away that uh, dad taught us how to die. And if any of you remember, um, 
a lot of you remember my dad, of course, but he was a he was not a noisy man. He was not a he didn't say a lot. He didn't he didn't have a he didn't talk about his faith that much, but he lived it. He lived it out. And when he died, he died. We were all around there, but very quietly and just calm peace. There was a peace about there was a peace in that room. There was there was no anxiety at all. But he, uh, and, but that's how it can be for those who have faith in the Lord at the time, at that particular time in our lives when we leave this world. But not just then, all the time. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think about uh, I, th I think about leaving this world more often than what I used to. And I every day I, I read the obituaries. So anybody else? <laughs> Uh, but I find it interesting to uh, to to read these read the obituaries and to see a little bit their the commentary on their life and what their interests were and sometimes some of the things that I read I think uh, is that really that important you know do I want to be remembered that way I, what what do you want your obituary to say maybe. It, Maybe you need to write it, but if, if, you, if you want to have some input on it. But I, I think I would want to be known somehow as a follower of Jesus, just a follower of Jesus. You know, not doesn't have to be anything else beyond that. But, but Jesus said here in the latter part of 19, because I live, you also will live. Just jumping across the page in my Bible here, chapter 16, John chapter 16, uh, verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> this is Jesus talking uh, again, uh, still about the Holy Spirit. He says, He, the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So I, I understand this to say that the Holy Spirit is not about magnifying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is about magnifying Jesus. And when you, I think when you hear an imbalance in that, you can put a question mark behind it. The Holy Spirit is not here to magnify himself. The Holy Spirit is here to magnify Jesus and bring us to him. I listened to the uh, recording of Fred Schrock's my good friend, uh, his funeral, who uh, just passed away a number of weeks ago, but a lot of music in that in that uh, on that uh, recording. But the one song that really stood out to me that Fred sang uh, a solo, uh, of course, a recording. Uh, but his his song was "I Have One Deep Supreme Desire That I May Be Like Jesus," and that was that was Fred. Uh, and if you know how he sings, that, that was a moving, a moving song. But I've been thinking about that. Uh, is that not the primary work of the Holy Spirit? I have one deep, supreme desire that I may be like Jesus. That's, what we, that's why we have the Holy Spirit come within us to produce that kind of life. Does my life exalt the true Jesus, his majesty, and his deity, 
You know, many people name the name of Jesus, but in reality, they're not holding him to, to the highest place. The name of Jesus has been misused by many professing believers. Some think that they can use the name of Jesus to do kind of whatever, get whatever they want. But just a little bit of an aside here now. Uh, you know, this thing about masks, uh, to wear one or to not wear one is not necessarily taking a stand for Jesus. Uh, sometimes I think we get pretty hyper about that, but, you know, uh, that's not really, I mean, it, it might be sending us in that direction, I don't know, but uh, I believe the, our, it's about our attitude, primarily about our attitude. About it, uh, our attitude about it may or may not reflect uh, Jesus. To me, that's what is more important. <clears throat> So Jesus said here in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Imagine the feelings of a, of a child who suddenly become, loses their parent or parents. They become an orphan. Child uh, suddenly left alone. Some of you know about that. Or you know children like that. Or you have, or somebody who suddenly becomes a widow or a widower. And again, some of you have, you know, you have firsthand experience of being left alone when a family member leaves. <clears throat> so here Jesus is addressing this, I think, that Jesus is about to leave them physically, but he would be with them spiritually in a new way. And this is a, what a comfort that is to know that even though Jesus is leaving physically, he's sending his spirit to be with them in a new, powerful way. So how we need that? We need that in these times. We need, especially in these chaotic times. So the Holy Spirit not only indwells the believer, but the Holy Spirit fills the believer. And this is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, you're familiar with this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is for all of us. All of us as believers are commanded, it's not an option, we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I believe that being filled with the Spirit is talking about what controls my life. It's not necessarily doing fantastic things, but what controls my life? Who controls my life? Hopefully we are not controlled by wine, like it talks about here, or some other uh, mind-altering substance, which makes us do things that we normally would not do, but does the Holy Spirit control me? <clears throat> Am I under the control of this Holy Spirit? And I'm afraid for myself that it's not always true. Sometimes there are other emotions that kind of take over. And I say things uh, that I wish I hadn't said. And I realize I was not under the control of the Spirit at that moment. So God regularly seems to remind me about those, those areas. John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Uh, being filled with the Spirit, I believe, means that we are controlled by the Spirit and we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what those are. 
the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and that, that list. So I believe when we are filled with the Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Are you able, like, take the, the loving, loving our enemies? That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Are you able to do that without the Spirit's help? That's a struggle for me, is when somebody does something, says something against me, puts me down or whatever, uh, and I feel like I've just got, you know, whatever. Uh, am I able to love that person like Jesus loves them? Jesus loving his enemies, uh, those who persecuted him, those who put him on the cross, and he looked at them and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Am I, do I have that kind of love? I confess that that's a big struggle for me. Do I have uh, joy? Do I have peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of troublesome times? Or am I rather controlled by worry, by fear, by desire for, uh, to approve, get the approval of people? So in reality, I think the fullness of the Spirit is to have the mind of Christ just to have his heart and his attitude, the attitude that Jesus had. That's the attitude that we need for ourselves. To have the mind of Christ is to be emptied of those other things and to be uh, filled with the love of God and to seeking to glorify him. My third uh, point now, the final one, is the Holy Spirit empowers the believer. What does it mean to be empowered by the believer? Again, I come back to this question. Is it, is it performing signs and wonders? Is it the spectacular? You know, uh, perhaps. But uh, I don't believe he's saying that we're... Uh, well, let me go back to uh, chapter 14 again. We didn't read this verse, but here in verse 12, Jesus says, You will do greater things than I have done when I leave. So what are those greater things? that he's talking about. I don't believe that he's talking, he's not saying you're going to do more sensational things. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to calm the storm like we read this morning. You're going to be able to restore sight to the blind, maybe, but I don't believe that's what he's talking about. I believe he's talking about the Spirit of God changing hearts, transforming lives through the power of the Spirit. So he's saying when greater things, I believe he's talking, actually, what is the greatest thing that ever What's the greatest thing that you can think of that could ever happen? It's the change transformed lives, right? Becoming a child of God. Is there anything greater than that and having being given the gift of eternal life? So he's saying you will do greater things in magnitude with the power of the Spirit. So the greatest miracle, I believe, is the redemption of a lost soul. And at Pentecost, Jesus' followers were able to spread his kingdom to more people and more places than Jesus was ever able to do. On the day of Pentecost, they suddenly they were empowered with a, a person. They were able to share a person and a heavenly presence who had never been shared before, resulting in 3,000 new converts. They had been redeemed. They were empowered by the, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, and their numbers grew quickly to 5,000 and then into multitudes as the church spread. It was different. It was new, something that had never happened before. 
And I believe it can happen today. Jesus says in John 14, verse 21, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Here I believe Jesus is saying that he will show himself to that person, to that individual who obeys. We, do we want Jesus to show himself to us? I believe that's again through, through his spirit. Jesus says again and again, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So who does the Holy Spirit empower? I see this as a, a conditional promise. I don't know if you would agree with that. This is a conditional promise. He will do that to those who love him and obey him. The person who loves Jesus is one who lives daily in humility and obedience. How are we doing with that? Uh, how can we personally and corporately experience the power of his holy presence? I believe it will come as we devour and obey the word of God and we seek his face with all of our hearts. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The fullness of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, I don't believe will come if we are knowingly holding out on him. We know there's something there, but we're not willing to give that up. I don't believe we're going to experience uh, what he's talking about here. Verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. <clears throat> so as far as you know, as far as I know, can we say, yes, that's where I'm at. I'm living in complete, humble obedience to him. I'd like to emphasize that the Spirit of God is holy, <clears throat> all caps, Holy Spirit. Uh, he is the Holy Spirit. Uh, holiness is something that I don't think we think enough about and what all that means. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 30 and through 32 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So how desperately we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And all of our efforts as a church, all of my efforts as a, an individual are really uh, of little value unless the Holy Spirit is here to bless. In uh, their book, uh, Henry and Richard Blackaby, uh, the book called uh, Spiritual Leadership, they wrote about uh, how Dwight L. Moody was experiencing great success as a director of the YMCA in Chicago he was also pastor of a, a thriving church. By all appearances, uh, Moody was a successful minister of the gospel. Then in June of 1871, 
Mrs. Sarah Ann Cook and a Mrs. Hawkehurst sat in the front row of the church and diligently prayed during the service. Moody approached them and to ask them the reason for their fervent prayer, and they said they were praying for him because they sensed he needed the power of the Spirit in his life and his ministry. And a change uh, began to take place in Moody, and he confessed that there came a great hunger into my soul. I did not know what it was. I began to cry out as I never did before. I felt that I did not want to live if I could not have this power. Moody asked the two women to pray with him every Friday afternoon until he received a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. Moody finally yielded every part of his life and his will to the Lord. Suddenly he felt an unprecedented, overwhelming presence of God. And Moody quickly found, found a room where he could be alone with God. And he said the room seemed ablaze with God. He dropped to the floor and lay bathing in the divine. Moody said, God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. And God went on to use Moody as one of the greatest evangelists of the late uh, 19th century. So I think the key there was, if you caught it, his yieldedness when he yielded to the Lord. Where am I in this? Uh, where are we in this? Am I asking the God to, to empower me, to fill me, to dwell in me through the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit. I, I confess that over and over again, that we need the Holy Spirit just in, in our daily, the daily grind of living in our church and in our community. We need him for, for sharing Christ. We need him for courage. I don't know if you ever get discouraged, but we need this, the Spirit for courage. We need the Spirit for self-control, uh, for witnessing, for keeping our thoughts uh, pure. What about, our, uh, what about our marriages and uh, in our relationship with our, our spouse, our family? There are big things or little things where we need, we need the peace of God. I believe that there is no other power, whether it's a demonic power, whether it's a lustful urge that is greater than the power of the name of Jesus uh, through the power of the Spirit. If, uh, if I were, or if we were, on trial for being a Christian, what would be the evidence to convict us, one way or the other? So if we, if we claim the Holy Spirit in our lives, then I believe it will show in my attitude, in my, my daily life. And I believe that comes through just truly submitting to, to God, through trusting him and obeying him. And that is really the greatest experience in life. You think about that. Just uh, truly submitting to God and trusting him can be the, the greatest transformation in our lives. And that's called uh, just dying, dying to self and putting our trust in God alone. And that's when I believe we begin to experience the, the personal transformation and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want. 
That's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for, for all of us, to be able to live in that presence. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, how we need him in our daily walk of life. We need to operate in the Spirit and not in our own strength. And I pray that you would just forgive me where I have tried to do things in my own strength. We know that it was never intended that we, that we live in our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit daily as we seek to be representatives of Jesus Christ in this uh, chaotic time in our lives, in our world, and in our families perhaps. Just help us to be Jesus during this time and, and walking in the Spirit and pointing souls and being examples of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.